to tomorrow's Church of God. Welcome to all those out there in the internet land. All right, before I get started today, I just want to make a couple of comments about what's going on in the Middle East. I'd like for everybody, I've mentioned this last week, but I want to reiterate it today. Keep, if you would, keep Israel, the land of Israel, in your prayers. There's many of God's people over there, and there's a lot of just really terrible stuff that's happening. And I want to make a personal statement, a statement of support, not simply because they are the land of Israel, but because they are being persecuted, and as I said, many are God's people. But it takes a real hero, in my opinion, to decapitate a baby or something of that that kind of horrific kind of imagery or any group of people who would do something like that and then celebrate their actions and I in my opinion they should get no sympathy from any of God's people and I don't mean they should they're real heroes in the positive sense I meant that they're just real despicable people now, I don't know if I can speak for everybody at Tomorrow's Church of God. That would be somewhat presumptive on my part. But I believe most, if not all, would agree with me in supporting the actions of the nation of Israel going into the Gaza Strip or into Lebanon or into Syria and just taking and doing whatever they need to do to clean that mess up. It would be doing us a favor here in the United States as well, in my opinion. But that's just me. Okay, and I'll leave that. Just please keep those. It is con- disconcerting what's happening over there, so f- please keep those folks in your prayers, if you would. All right. <clears throat> That's the serious stuff out of the way. Now on to my message. <laughs> and based on my title, you might be wondering uh, what you got yourself into with this message. <laughs> well, this subject's been on my mind for a week or two, and it, it, it actually came to light over a conversation that Billy and I had about an encounter he had when they went to uh, have a meal in, in one of the local establishments around here during the Feast of Tabernacles. And he was approached by a young man with a Bible who wanted to convert Billy to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And good luck with that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Billy kind of challenged him, and, and the guy just kind of melted away after after he was challenged. And I know how that goes because that's happened to me a couple of times, and it is, it's kind of interesting to see what happens to the folks like that when they when they are actually challenged with Scripture and try to explain their way out of it. They rarely can do it. Uh, but anyway, I decided the best way to express my thoughts on this is simply have a little fun. Okay, hence the title. <clears throat> and I hear those voices out there saying, you can't have fun in church. <laughs> well, churches are supposed to, are they supposed to be no fun zones? You know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so. But that's according to the no-fun clause in the heavenly edicts of religion, I suppose, that you can't have fun in church, you can't have a have a entertaining subject, and you can't make fun of or light of things um, that 
kind of fall short in 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 the um, parameters of a religion, I should say. The problem is people don't seem to remember messages when when you're serious and lay out just the facts for them. That those are you know they folks, you know they they it doesn't have an impact with them, and it's hard you it's hard keeping them awake when you just give them facts. You know I mean really that and. Uh, and they they'll sit there and they'll say, "Well, he's given another message about facts and, and based upon resources and history." And folks will just shrug their shoulders and say, "Is that all you got? It's facts?" Big yawn. You know? Okay. Well, all right. But add a little humor to your message, and even if you get things wrong, folks will sometimes remember what you said. <laughs> and. Um, uh, the Messiah had a he, he had a great sense of humor, believe it or not, because he had a he had all the other emotions that humans have that we ordinary humans were were equipped with, and like disappointment, anger, joy, and and sadness, and all those others. And the shortest verse in the New Temp Testament simply says Jesus wept. So I mean, he had emotion, and. Uh, and that's John eleven thirty five. In case you want to know where it's at, and if the Messiah can cry, he can also laugh and have a humorous side to him. So, I mean, look at really. If you want proof, look at the creation. He must have known there was going to be a group of folks in the last day that would be firm believers that men came from apes and different things like that, and evolved from slush and mud and all that kind of stuff. And he says to himself, I, I'm sure he's sitting up here, he says to himself, he goes, I'll give them something that'll keep them up nights worrying, worrying about because it won't fit their model of evolution. So he decided to create the duckbill platypus. <laughs> the woodpecker, the bombardier beetle, and the giraffe, just to name a few unexplained creations according to, uh, or creatures according to creation. And I'll let you look those up, why those creatures defy the evolution model. I'll let you do that for yourselves on your own time. But the Messiah, he has a real sense of humor. And, you know, just like me, I'm a naturally funny guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I thought since facts are tedious and complicated at times, I'd just turn the complicated into simple and make a fun message. And like I said, folks don't get the facts that are kind of like those folks spoken of in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9 through 13, where he says, For this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instructions of the eternal, who say to the seers, You must not see visions, and to the prophets, You must not prophesy the truth to us, speak to us pleasant words, prophesy illusions, get out of the way, turn aside from the path, and stop speaking about uh, uh, us before the, uh, about the Holy One of Israel. Now, it's smooth things that folks remember. You know, they like the smooth things. I mean, who doesn't? You know, I mean, it's a lot of fun, you know. But you got to have facts, too. You got to have truth, even with the smooth things. So, you know, and you got to have the details, even if you're going to, even if you're going to make something fun, right? So, truth is what the Bible calls meat and is difficult for the novice. 
And Paul said something similar to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. He says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to consume it, but even now you're not able. So he's saying, you know, you don't want the facts. The facts are meat. You want the simple. You want the smooth, and that's the milk. And actually, that analogy works. Smooth milk, you know, tough meat. <laughs> So yeah, that perked everybody's ears up. But anyway, um, so being me, I thought I'd just boil down to religion to something everybody can relate to in one fashion or another. Food or cars. And, well, yeah, that really did perk everybody up. Anyway, so you're, you, you'll remember this message already. because <laughs> Just based on that, I could stop now and, you know, it'd be good. <laughs> anyway, so I have to set this up first by saying this is my little example on how to illustrate what happens in the world, okay? Now, you may say it's a little bit flawed at the end or whatever. It doesn't really matter. I'm just trying to make this fun and make a point and try to get the facts in there along with everything else and let everyone know, even the poor. Well, anyway, let me back up. So... I want to, even a poor mechanic in life must be certified in what they're doing, especially when they're working on, working on modern cars as these days with a modern engine. Now, the day of the shade tree mechanic is gone, okay? You can't just hardly go out there and work on an engine anymore. And you go, yeah, but what's this got to do with the Bible? And I can hear, I can hear your brains working now, <laughs> you know. Well, I'm glad you asked. It shows you're paying attention. So anyway, let's start out by, by illustrating us sitting in a swanky restaurant. And we're eating this wonderful meal, and we're enjoying ourselves, and the service is impeccable. And the food is the best one could even hope for or even afford, really, in my case. And we're sitting there, and we admire the service. And getting from the, and the service that we're getting from the waiter, and that waiter is attending to every, every want and need that we possibly could want or have. Or he or she, you know, is just a great person. Have a great smile on their face, jokes around a little bit, and just the kind of person you like having as a waiter. And you're just enjoying this, and, and you're just overwhelmed by the experience that you're having. And, and you know, and they're keeping your tea glass full, and, and they're bringing your food out in a timely manner and all that stuff, and everything's great, tastes good, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you would certainly give that that person, him or her, a generous tip at the end of the meal because you're so impressed. And the waiter may even be dressed, you know, in a fashion, depending on the restaurant's atmosphere, to, like, say, a mechanic or something like that, you know, wearing some kind of suit, you know, just, just to fit the part. And, and it could be a bit confusing. You might wonder if you'll get a, a steak or a carburetor. But anyway, you, you know, you're, you're enjoying it. But what you wouldn't do, or what most folks wouldn't do, even being overwhelmed and impressed with a 21-year-old or 20-year-old's service, 
You wouldn't automatically assume he or she would immediately be able to work on your $2.3 million Ferrari Daytona SP3 sports car. You just wouldn't assume that. You, you wouldn't think to yourself, yeah, I like the way you handled that, the rolls when you were bringing them out, so you must know something about turbo engines, <laughs> you know? Or further the conversation might go something like this. Excuse me, but I'm so impressed with your service that I want to get your thoughts about a weird noise for my $2.3 million sports car. And it would be ridiculous to sit there and wait patiently for a knowledgeable answer showing, you know, it, 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 expecting great expertise to come out of, the, out of that person's mouth in the field of auto mechanics because they were just such a wonderful waiter. And it'd be like having itching ears. You want to just sit there and hear what that person has to say, something that, that, that they probably have no clue as to what, what you're asking for. It'd be like the advice Paul gave to Timothy in his second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. And I'm going to kind of mix these, these things together, so stay with me here. He says, and a time will come when people will not listen to accurate teaching. Instead, they will follow their own desires and surround themselves with teachers who tell them what they want to hear. And people will refuse to listen to the truth and turn to myth. So that waiter go, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, yeah, but you, you did such a good job here. You, you got to know something, you know. So being stubborn and the answer not being forthright and coming... You might reply back, I just thought you'd do such a good job waiting tables that you would naturally have an idea about a, a, a $2.3 million sports car problem. You just, you just got to know. I mean, wouldn't you just naturally go there? I mean, of course, a good waiter would know that, right? Now, before you start calling me for donations, I don't own a $2.3 million Ferrari Daytona SP3, Okay. I'm just using this as an example. However, I do own a 2014 Honda Civic with 90,000 miles on it, and I could just as easily have used that, but that's fine. I thought the sports car thing would be a little more fun. And, and I can see where folks might get those two confused anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I believe if you put that waiter to work on one of your cars, that would be a bad mechanic, right? Don't you think? And even though they're a wonderful and competent waiter and other commendable attributes, not wanting to be embarrassed, a waiter might even appear to be knowledgeable in mechanics and say something like, yeah, it sounds like your flux capacitor is probably going bad. <laughs> You know, and you're going, yeah, why? You know, it got to be. Or it sounds like there wasn't enough gigawatts following the muffler bearings. bearings. When, they, when that happens, they have a tendency to short out because there's not enough oil flowing to the circuits. <laughs> you know, so, you know, the waiter, you know, he's playing along. At that point, you might even start looking at this waiter kind of funny. But even if he or she is really that good a waiter, and they reach down and they find their Ford mechanic book and tell you it's in there somewhere. You just have to look at look it up. At this point, some might conclude the waiter's just a waiter 
and that's it. But you know that doesn't happen in religion. You think that that's a strange metaphor I make or a story I'm telling here. That's what happens in religion, folks. I'm telling you. Because being impressed with fancy terms and impeccable service, folks still have an uncontrollable urge to invite folks like our waiter to look under the hood of their $2.3 million Ferrari Daytona SP3, your salvation, confident he or she knows what they're talking about. And here's the crazy part. When he or she totally botches a simple repair job, answer to a biblical question, well, religious folks don't call him or her out on their mistake. No, in our weird world of religion, folks double down. Asking that person about other things concerning their salvation, or if you're the waiter, about $2.3 million Ferrari Daytona SB3, when they couldn't even find a dipstick. And repeatedly, folks will return to that same person, even when nothing they said actually is in a real mechanic manual for a Ferrari. And as I said, you might be thinking that's a ridiculous story. But I, personally, I would never take advice from a waiter about any vehicle I own, car, sports car, $2.3 million or $10,000, I don't care. I wouldn't let them go near it with a wrench. And as soon as the words flux capacitor came out of their mouths, I would immediately disregard anything else that person had to say. Kind of like the laws done away. Really? So, if it were actually about a sports car, you probably wouldn't want that person near your or giving you biblical answers or talking to you about salvation. People wouldn't let some uncertified idiot near their cars. But they'll sit there and talk, let people talk to them all day about their salvation and try to tell them what they need to fix. But as you've guessed already, I'm not talking about cars, maintenance, manuals, or bad mechanics. The point I'm making is this. Many folks in mainstream religion try to tell Torah-following Sabbath keepers how to worship the true Elohim of the Bible. And the worst part is that many listen to bad mechanics of the Bible. They carry, these bad mechanics carry around Bibles witnessing to others like our waiters carrying a Ford Mechanic Bible, telling folks they can fix their expensive cars or they can fix your salvation. But they're not 
trying to fix your expensive cars. They're trying to work on your priceless salvation, worth much more than a $2.3 million Daytona Ferrari SP3. It's funny how we will take something physical in life and we put value on it, and we won't let somebody who's uncertified even, even polish the stupid thing. But we'll let somebody uncertified sit there and tell us what we need to do about our salvation. They want to work on you. They see you as broken. But they don't know what's in the maintenance manual, the Bible, God's Bible, in order to help you. And sometimes they'll even make stuff up. Like I said, the law is done away. And like I said, that's akin to the flux capacitor fix on an automobile. Or you need blinker fluid. <laughs> or grease in the muffler bearings. It's likened to be saved by grace. But instead... These folks have no idea what they're talking about. And yet we invite them into our homes to, to discuss the maintenance of salvation or the mechanics of salvation. We double down, triple down, and repeatedly go back to these same folks looking for some kind of answer when there are none. But Paul wrote to Philip advising him to fix his own salvational issues. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence, but only now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The Apostle John saw this happening in his time in the church and wrote a short letter addressing those we might call bad mechanics of the Bible. In 2 John chapter 1, 10 through 11, he says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. In other words, if he doesn't bring the right manual for the right automobile or the Bible for the right discussion or the Torah, uh, then you're, you're just as guilty as messing up your own vehicle as he is. And this is equivalent to saying don't listen to a 21-year-old waiter with a Ford ma manual telling you what's wrong with a $2.3 million Ferrari Daytona SP3. Tell him or her to get away from your car and don't invite them to look under the hood wherever that might be on a Ferrari. I have no idea. <laughs> and the fact is, in religion, there are folks who like to present themselves as something they're not, like a waiter who knows something about mechanics. And there probably are some waiters who do know some mechanics. I'm not going to say there's not. But waiters aren't, for the most part, aren't trained as car mechanics. And the average Joe from mainstream religion doesn't have a clue what's involved with God's Word. 
or his plan for man. Few people in God's church actually know what God's plan is for man. If you want to get right down to the nuts and bolts of things, I thought I'd just stay in the same metaphor with that. So, <laughs> so to continue my analogy, there will be those I sense who want to check this out with their mainstream preacher. I get it. People told me when I talk to folks outside our church about doctrine such as Sabbath, I have folks tell me, well, that sounds good and all, but I have to check this out with my preacher. You know, then you might be one of those I'm speaking about who like to get advice from dumb waiters. Dumb waiter, that's kind of like an elevator. <laughs> we'll say ignorant waiters. How about that? You're the guy who owns a Ferrari Daytona SP3 and is getting advice from a waiter to check out something mechanical concerning a car because you're getting advice from somebody who doesn't know what, you're what, what they're talking about. You say, well, that's pretty critical. What? Fine with me. Let's lay our cards out on the table and see who's doing what. My advice is to stop going to waiters who are notoriously bad mechanics and stop going to preachers who are notoriously bad teachers of the Bible. And stop seeking salvation on the word of someone who doesn't know the basics of Scripture, especially when it comes to advice on, on your priceless salvation. And I'm going to use that word, priceless salvation, because it is priceless. Your salvation is priceless there is nothing in this world that can can help you purchase or obtain salvation other than you following the word of god the instructions of the bible the torah now waiters are really good at fixing social salads but incredibly bad at correcting and interpreting the true manual of god you're better off getting the right manual and fixing the problem yourself. And after all, the Creator's manual tells us to work things out for ourselves, as we already read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. So the simplest instructions in the Torah, like the Sabbath, are akin to checking the oil in the car, if I can make this equivocation. It can't get any simpler. You simply do what the instructions or the Bible tells you to do. How hard can that be? Well, apparently it's pretty hard. And in the mainstream world of religion, folks don't know anything about the Sabbath because they don't read the manual correctly, the instructions correctly. They don't follow the instructions correctly. And this is from the advice of bad mechanics of the Bible. The manual, the Bible, plainly lays out what the Sabbath is in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And so the heavens and the earth will be complicated in all their heavenly lights. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. Then the, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. Then God, our corporate leader, if you want to put it that way, manufacturer, 
to all the branch managers out there, instructed them to always put the dipstick in the same place so folks would always find it and check the oil always on the, at the right times once a week. Trying to put it in a way simple folks can understand this. And by doing this, we can't mistake the windshield washer fluid with the dipstick, oil dipstick. And for everyone, for everything, and, and we do that so everything will run correctly with no problems. And you check those oil levels weekly. Exodus chapter 28 through 11, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the eternal your God, and you shall not do any work, nor your sons, your daughters, male slaves or female slaves, your cattle, your residents who stay with you. For in six days the eternal made the heavens and the earth and the sea and every day, everything that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day, and for that reason the eternal blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And you can also find that in Deuteronomy chapter 5, 12 through 15. And God said, you would know his make and model by this very order, by observing this very order. Because you could pop open the hood and look at it and go, yeah, that's one of God's. And Exodus chapter 31, verse 12. Now the Eternal spoke to Moses, saying, Now as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You must keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between you and me throughout your generation, so that you may know that I am the Eternal who sanctifies you. Therefore you are to keep the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Now the Eternal God, the Maker of His people, He says you can't change the meaning or the instructions in my manual and you can't change where the dipstick goes. Don't work that way. It's my design, and my design shows me my relationship to the person who's driving that car or has that model or is my part of my creation. But here comes our waiter again, our Mr. Fix-It. And he tells the owner of the expensive Ferrari, I have a Ford manual, and it says the dipstick is on the other side of the engine. What? And he might say something like, Anyway, all of us waiters got together and discussed the dipstick being moved over lunch, so it was officially moved. After all, that part of the manual was given to the cooks to follow and not us waiters and customers. And so we're not bound by what it says. Well, you could have believed that waiter carrying the wrong manual. You think he's the maker who can make that change? Or the CEO who can make that change? And he can make his Ford manual into a Ferrari manual? Will that actually work for him? Well, a lot of people in religion seem to think because that's equivalent to saying, well, the Jews, all that old stuff of the old Bible, that was for the Jews. That's the same thing as saying, well, my manual says it's for the Jews and not for the real God's people.
You see, I'm just trying to make this simple. So folks, just average folks out there understand what I'm talking about. Because we'll sit around, we'll pop open a few beers, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about cars. We'll talk about Ford manuals, and we'll talk about Ferraris, and we'll talk about all this other stuff. And we know that you can't confuse the two. You know that a Ford, that you can't take instructions out of a Ford manual and apply them to another maker model. Yet they do it in religion all the time. Why? Why is it going to work in one place, but it doesn't work in the other? And people don't question it. And person, somebody will come up to you and say, well, the law's that way, but that's not what the Bible says. They'll say, yeah, but. There's some of them yeah, buts. Anyway. And you, you might be laughing at this point. I hope you are anyway, because I meant this to be fun. I even wore my Daffy Duck tie today. So... But I am trying to form this message into the simplest and most understandable format I possibly can to get folks to try and understand or to wake up to what they are entrusting their priceless salvation to. You have a manual with instructions given to us by the Creator for us to follow. And it's explicit in almost every detail on the path that we need to be taking and how we need to apply that to our lives. But instead, folks want to change what's in that manual, what's in those instructions, regardless if it's actually been approved by the maker. They said, well, the waiter said it could be changed. Stop and think about that for a moment, folks. We don't take any other manufacturer's instructions in life and completely disregard what they say and make stuff up on our own. Now, wait a minute. Now, I get women are claiming their husbands don't read the instructions when they buy something and bring it to the house that needs assembling. I get that. All right, we're not talking about that. That's just a man being a man. How we think, sorry guys, I'm guilty too. But that's just us. So let's get down to what the Eternals instruction book says about following the instructions on how we should follow them and not follow a novice or someone who might ha not have a clue as to what God wants. Why would you listen to somebody walking up to you with a Bible in his hand, out of nowhere, anywhere. And the first thing you do is ask him about the Sabbath and he melts away. He can't explain. Why would you listen to him? Why would you even get a second opinion about anything? Now, I know what folks are going to tell me. Say, yeah, but it's an opportunity to maybe open his mind. His mind didn't open. He's coming there to change you. First, we are told that the instructions in the Bible are the best instructions to guide us through life. In Psalms 19, 9 through 11, God's laws are pure, eternal, and just. 
and they're the most desirable than gold. They are sweeter than honey dripping from honeycomb. They warn us away from harm and give us success to those who obey them. So he's saying if you, if you follow my instructions, you're going to have a profitable, you're going to have a blessed life. Now, you might not be thinking about profitable in the way that I'm thinking. I'm thinking about profitable, about having a good and happy life. doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get rich or anything like that. And so if you don't become entranced with fancy messages and sermons and twisted explanations that really sound good a lot of times, we might even be able to hear some good things coming from some people if we can avoid that. But most of the times we just hear ridiculous things coming out of the folks' folks' mouths. So we can conclude that waiters make bad mechanics and novices make bad prophets. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. A good prophet will always back up what he says from Scripture or try to be honest about their interpretations of the Torah. They're not always going to get it right. Even a good mechanic doesn't always get it right when diagnosing a problem with a car. And good ministers and prophets don't hit the nail on the head 100% of the time. They won't tell you that, but they don't. That's why I always tell folks, you know, go do the research for yourself. Look it up for yourself. Don't believe what I say. But they both do something really bad. Or, excuse me. They both do something the bad mechanic won't do or the novice of the Bible. They won't follow the planned written instructions of their prospective managers or creators. Joshua 1 verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And you do this because a good prophet, or a good mechanic, if I can add that terminology, knows the scriptures are written by a true maker and can't be altered to their liking. They know this is true for things to work correctly. The instructions must be followed as best possible and diligence that a good mechanic would do. Also, when showing others the trick of the trade. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. And folks, when he made that comment, he wasn't talking about the New Testament. New Testament hadn't been created yet. This He's talking about the Torah. He's talking about the Psalms, the prophet, and the law. So what about those would-be mechanics who whether who sought out willingly to give advice on Scripture and who don't understand what they're reading. What, 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 what do you do with them? What, what, what happens to them? Deuteronomy 18.20, he says, But the prophet who 
word who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. That's in the law. That's a law. So I'd be real careful about changing God's manuals, God's instructions. I would be real careful about how you tell others what that says. And before I would walk out there and tell somebody, all you have to do is believe in the name, I would do a whole lot more studying. Because you might think this is just for the Jews, but then you would be 100% incorrect. The advice from Scripture, simply put, is this. If you're a waiter in a restaurant of life, don't act like you know how to work on a Ferrari Daytona SP3. Don't do it. Jeremiah 23.16 says, Thus says the Eternal of hosts, Do not listen to the words of prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They speak visions of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Eternal. So you're listening to somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, both in life and in when the person walks up to you on the street with a Bible. And I'm not saying there aren't good people who don't know what, what much of the Bible is talking about, but if they start twisting and, start and, and can't answer straight questions on things like the Sabbath and food laws, they can't honestly answer them anyway, Sabbath and the food laws, then don't listen to them. They're bad prophets. They're bad mechanics. Because if you listen to a waiter who turns out to be a really bad mechanic, let's just say things won't go well for you or your car. God's manual has a disclaimer where he tells folks not to deviate from his instruction. Joshua chapter 23, verse 6. And he says, Be very determined when to keep and do everything that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you will not turn aside from it to the right or to the left. And that's what folks have done. They, they've done away in their minds with the book of the law, and so they start turning to every other thing in life that people say is okay. And seriously, how many people take those warnings to heart or the instructions of God? Because in Isaiah, it says in Isaiah 30, 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Since you have rejected this word and have put your trust in the oppression and the crookedness and have relied on them, therefore the wrongdoings will be like a breach out of, uh, about to fall and a bulge in a high wall whose collapse comes suddenly and in an instance, and whose collapse is like the smashing of a potter's jar, so ruthlessly shattered that a shard will not be found in pieces to take, uh, to take fire from a hearth or to scoop water from a cistern. In other words, if you rely on the vice of bad mechanics, your, your, two point, your sal priceless salvation, your $2.3 million sports car is going to be destroyed going to disappear all because you like the person you were overwhelmed you thought it was a great person your meal was great 
and you were caught up on how good a job they did and the words that they spoke. You couldn't see through the fog of charisma enough to understand that they didn't have a clue on how to fix anything other than a salad. And the charismatic leaders, religious leaders of today, are really just bad mechanics when it comes to God's holy word. Don't get caught up in their flux capacitors trying to explain salvation. In my humble opinion, modern-day theologians, well, they should just go back to waiting tables because they're not getting anywhere close to my salvation. And I hope they're not getting anywhere close to yours. Nor am I letting bad mechanics even get close to my 2014 Honda Civic. I need it. So stay away. And, but the truth is there's a lot more bad prophets wandering around out there trying to convert folks who don't know a lot than there are bad waiters or even bad mechanics. Yet, the funny thing is, we'll complain profusely about bad waiters but not bad prophets. I wonder why that is. Quick answer. Because bad prophets are in the employment of their owner. And that person is Satan. Second Corinthians eleven, thirteen through five. This is one the modern world seems to miss too. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ, and no wonder for even Satan disguising himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will be according to their deed. Now, you might not remember this message next time you take your car in to get it worked on. But I hope you remember it next time someone speaks to you about the Bible. Both have the same message. Both make bad mechanics and poor profits. <laughs>